Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name is Colin and this is The Sober Mess and you're very welcome. I hope you're having a great day. It's a good day to have a good day. Today I am absolutely exhilarated to have the guest on that I have today. Uh, the guest I have today is a award-winning author of a book called My Wellness Tool and Your Wellness Toolbox. She's also a wellness toolbox coach, a holistic therapist, and Solihull radio presenter for the Wellness Wednesday show. She's also a mother of two and an absolute legend of a person. I'm very happy to introduce Ali Swift to the podcast. Ali, how are you? Oh, hi, Calm. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Also, your name, Ali Swift. That's such a cool name. Is that your? Is that your? Uh, is that your natural name, <laughs> Ali Swift? <laughs> Do you know? I've got to say, when I was actually pregnant with um, my daughter, I was um, in the waiting room in the maternity hospital, and the uh, maternity nurse, whoever it was, came out and actually asked for Taylor Swift instead of Ali Swift because she just. <laughs> The name, the tip of her tongue, and oh, it was funny. Everyone just started laughing in the waiting room. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Ali, so thanks a million for coming on for the podcast. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to having a chat with you. So obviously you, you wrote the, the book, My Wellness Toolbox and yeah. Your Wellness Toolbox. So like, tell us a bit about your journey. Like, What led you to going on to, to writing this book? Like, What led you to discovering your own wellness toolbox? So um, when I was about 17 or 18, um, I started to experience anxiety and panic attacks, but I didn't know that's what it was. Um, And, you know, 17, 18 year old, I ignored it and um, just thought I was a bit of a weirdo, if you like, um, and just got got stuck into life. I um, worked hard and I partied hard and panic attacks would come and go really actually became quite successful at work I became a workaholic um and when I was 26 I just couldn't deal with it anymore and one day I got up I went downstairs um I had been experiencing um what I now understand to be intrusive thoughts so I was getting quite scared with life doing the simplest of things um and I went downstairs to go to work and I actually physically couldn't open the front door and that might sound completely ridiculous to some people, but my hand would not go. I couldn't touch the handle of the door. I couldn't actually open the door. Um, and I was terrified. So I phoned a friend um, and it was a work colleague. And it was just a teller, really, that I wasn't going to be able to come into work today. Um, but I got very emotional on the phone and she came around to see me um, and we spoke. And she said, oh, you really need to get help. Um, so I finally spoke um, which I, I needed to do and I should have done eight years previously on reflection. So within a few days, um, my mum managed to convince me to see a doctor. I was convinced I would be locked up and the key be thrown away. Um, but it turns out I um, was actually very normal and it was happening to a lot of people and I was struggling with something called crippling anxiety caused by post-traumatic stress disorder which was kind of over a prolonged time and due to a number of events and because I hadn't dealt with those events at the time and those traumas 
um and I had just kind of kept going getting on with life um it just kind of all came tumbling down um you know in one go so my doctor happened to have been my doctor for a very long time and actually knew about my childhood and he also knew some of the things I'd experienced Um, and he suggested that I um, have therapy in the form of cognitive behavioural therapy Um, and actually he dissuaded me really he offered me medication but to be honest he dissuaded me um, but also I was too scared to take it that's that's where I was at Um, because I was convinced it would do something to me that I didn't want it to do Um, so anyway um, that was uh, a few weeks later I managed to uh, sit in front of a therapist and she introduced me to this concept of a toolbox and this toolbox is with me at all times and it's up to me to fill it with the tools that make me feel good for me um, and build my self-esteem build my confidence some of those tools are really difficult. She gave me some of those tools and other tools I've just kind of discovered on my journey through recovery from anxiety and depression. Um, so that was back in 2006. I was 26 years old. And um, within weeks, I felt better just from talking. Um, it was the best thing I could have done was talk. Um, and then within months, I'd stopped having anxiety and panic attacks daily. Um, and well... I started having the therapy in the August, September time. And by the May the following year, I was making life changing decisions. I decided to leave the relationship that I was in and go and live on my own, which was a massive thing in itself because of where I'd been in the previous years. That was that would have been a really scary thing for me to have done. Um, And then life just kind of got really good from there. And within uh, months I actually met somebody new within a couple of years I took the decision to leave my um, take voluntary redundancy and travel the world with my partner and um, which we did we came back that was 2000 that's fast forward to 2011 set up my own um, IT consultancy business with my husband and um, 2013 got married fell pregnant on our honeymoon uh, which was amazing and well completely unexpected because we actually didn't decide we wanted to have a family until we were on honeymoon so it was actually came as a bit of a shock and and then went through the highs and lows of life and having children the challenges that brings and I did think I had postnatal depression after my first child and it was a b12 deficiency and then but it was actually 2016 um and it was 10 years um after in the august after i'd hit rock bottom i just sat there reflecting on how good my life was and how different it was to like literally 10 years before and how lucky i was that i made the choice to stay in this world um and i decided to do a post about it because i realized that it was me that had got me better it was my toolbox that had got me better and the, the biggest the best thing i could have done for myself was to talk so i did a post on social media saying you know talk people you know you can overcome this it feels really scary you don't you think you're the only one you're really not you know the therapists have heard it all before um and then the response was unbelievable. I think because I was, I'd got had a really successful career. I was the party girl. Um, I partied hard, worked hard. People just saw the external, and they didn't know what was going obviously on internally. And I think it shocked quite a few people 
what I'd gone through and one that I was even saying it out loud. Um, so I vowed to share my tools and to talk more openly about my anxiety from that point forward. But I was, you know, pregnant with my daughter and that kind of got put on hold. My daughter was born in January 2017. Yeah, I'm just making sure I'm getting the dates right here. And um, on the day that she was born, my um, father-in-law came to see us at the hospital and he actually... Um, told us he didn't feel very well. Well, within um, a week or so, he'd actually moved in with us. And sadly, four months to the day that he moved in, he um, died of lung cancer. It was a really difficult time. Um, very mixed emotions. Obviously, we had a newborn child, um, our second child, and we were adapting to that. Um, and my father-in-law was obviously living with us. He was in and out of hospital. Um, and I just saw our mental health declining in the household and understandably so um but we got through it and i realized it was our tools and the tools in my wellness toolbox that were getting us through and so in october 2017 i actually started the blog with my sister actually we both were blogging on a facebook page called sister goodness well within 26 weeks i'd shared 26 of my tools and someone said to me you need to turn that into a book so that was published um I found a self um, self publisher, a company, a fabulous company called Matador, Stroke Troubadour, and the book was published in August two thousand and eighteen. Well, um, and within months, I was also while all this was going on, I also qualified as a Reiki therapist, um, and also people were asking me to coach them on my tools. So I decided to become a coach and mentor as well, and I got a diploma in coaching. So yeah, so life was good. That was ticking along. Um, and then that brings us to um, 2019. I was still doing IT consultancy, two children, um, the Reiki, trying to grow the wellness business, promote the book. Life was good. Life was exciting. But I was taking on too much. And um, I was heading towards burnout. And then sadly, um, a very good family friend and someone that played quite a significant part in my life when I was younger um, sadly passed away. And I spiralled once more and my mental health declined quite rapidly and I became quite scared of life again. And for the first time in 13 years, I started having daily panic attacks. I was having intrusive thoughts and just, yeah, it was really scary, especially now that I'd got two children. So I did the right thing and I, I went I went to therapy um, but while all this was going on, I also agreed to become a Silly Hall radio presenter for the Wellness Wednesday show, which um, brought imposter syndrome. And I didn't know whether it was the right thing to be doing because of how I was really feeling inside. But I did it and it's been therapy in itself. I've met some incredible people doing that show. And yes, yeah, so I went back through therapy and I've discovered loads more tools. And then I was feeling good again. And then lockdown happened. <laughs> Got our so lockdown. We, yeah, so we head into lockdown and I thought, oh no, what's this going to do? I'm very aware that I'd only just kind of seen the light again coming through the other side. But actually, I started writing again and it was during lockdown that I actually wrote Your Wellness Toolbox, or at least I'd kind of started it and I'd started to think about doing it anyway. But now it's obviously a lot more relevant um, and <laughs> aligned to the global pandemic. Um, yeah, and so um, I wrote that. I sent it off to the same 
publishing house and they wanted to work with me again and that's due for release in January so wow. yeah is that did I say I've just realized I've just spoke there for far too long <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't want to stop you like that that was absolutely powerful like there were so many things I wanted to ask you while you were talking but uh, you, <laughs> you were just you were just like everything you were saying was just so powerful um like, look, just what you were saying at the start, you know, when you said you were a kid and you're feeling that anxiety and those intrusive thoughts and you, and you just got on with it. Did you did you assume that it was just normal to feel that anxious all the time? Um, No, I just thought that that was just me and I was weird. Yeah, look, because when I was a kid growing up, that, that, I, I don't know if it's like that in, in, in England, but the Irish culture thing is that it doesn't matter what's going on in the house once the neighbours don't find out. And I always grew up with that mentality that it doesn't matter what's going on inside my head once no one else knows what's going on. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I was always afraid to tell people. Of, of, I just felt different. I always just felt like outside of the circle, you know. I just always felt a bit off, you know. Um, and I just I could never open up and just tell people. I just got on with it, just brushed it under the carpet, you know. Yeah, I think as well for me, even as a small child, I've, I've always been quite, you know, people might describe it as hyperactive, quirky, loud, um, kind of, ex um, what's the, not the word, not in, the opposite, extrovert, I was trying to think of that word there. Um so as I became like in my late teens, I just felt like I was, it was just part of that personality. And I don't know, I can't explain it. I just thought, well, a few people have always thought I'm a bit weird because I was quite unique in my own way that actually maybe I am just a bit weird and I'm just not a good person and I, um, I'm a bad person. And it just, I just thought that, but I'd get up every day and I'd go to work and I'd work really hard because that would be the thing that made me a good person. And I said yes to everything because if I said yes to everything and I made pe other people happy, that would make me a good person. Mm. Um, with friendships, I always put friendships first um, before myself. So again, I say yes to things, even if I didn't want to do them. Mm. I didn't like confrontation because that would make, make people not like me um I was yeah I, I was a people pleaser basically and that yeah. was that was a way that was my way of being the good person yeah it's mad isn't it it's like it's like it must be like a low self-esteem thing that we we don't feel good enough as as who we are so we need to go out of our way to kind of please to, to kind of please people or avoid confrontations or speak our minds because we're not good enough you know so always afraid and of, of people disapproving of us yeah and i've very i've always put people on pedestals as well mm. so i've always put people up there and that they they their opinion always mattered over mine and that yeah. that, that comes across maybe a bit victim mentality but i don't mean it in that way it was just genuinely i thought people's yeah. opinions were more important than mine and that people like my close friends were like but I would probably describe me as quite competitive and that I would always think I was right. But I I can't. I was competitive, actually, when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just, I always have put other people's, I can't probably. Um, so other people's needs ahead of yours. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Now I get that, and I go, oh, I the same. We go, oh, I had this low self-esteem, and just literally, I'd walk into room and feel like saying, "Hi, I'm Colm, and I'm sorry." You know what I mean? Yeah. Just for existing, <laughs> like you know, and and like you, as a kid, I was like, I was very hyperactive in school. My mom was always called into the teacher's office because I was getting into trouble. And I remember like getting brought around that my mom bring me around all these different psychologists, and I was like diagnosed ADHD and OCD and BBC and TV three. You know everything. Yeah was just labelled onto me like you know so I grew up feeling even more alienated and different you know and but I didn't know what what it was why did I feel different or maybe it's because of this maybe it's because of that you know um but you you also talked about intrusive thoughts like just for people listening can you explain a bit about what intrusive thoughts are so intrusive thoughts well we all have what is it sixty thousand thoughts a day or more than that it's between sixty and seventy thousand thoughts a day and most of our thoughts we all have all sorts of thoughts and most of them pass us by but unfortunately we also can have quite negative thoughts and quite scary thoughts um and they're called intrusive thoughts because they basically become intruders and you can therefore overthink them and you think they're true whereas they're just as they're just a thought um so an example of an intrusive thought is um what if i went and jumped out the window now and hurt myself or you know if you're driving along what if i was to run over this person it really quite and you think oh my god as if i've just thought that Mm. but they are just intrusive thoughts and everybody actually has them it's when you pay attention to them that it becomes a problem and Um, it's actually the brain's way of helping you because our brain, um, the, the whole purpose of the brain is to save you and to rescue you. So if it identifies a threat or a stress or it's under a lot of stress, it wants you to stop. And the way it can make you stop is to scare you. So therefore, a thought comes in to scare you. And when you're scared of something, you stop and you retreat. Um and that's how I've understood it through the, you know, I'm not a doctor or therapist. It's the one thing I would always say. This is all the stuff that I've learned about myself and through the therapy that I've had. Um, and when you have an intrusive thought and such a negative thought like that, it brings you anxiety. And sometimes they're con- subconscious, sometimes they're conscious and it triggers you. And that's when you then get all your symptoms of anxiety, such as the bre- the breathlessness, pins and needles for me. Um, too much information, maybe, but it used to make me run to the toilet. Um, I'd get sometimes nausea, brain fog, headaches. Um, I mentioned pin- pins and needles. That was a big one for me, especially 13, 14 years ago. Um, and what that's doing is because your intrusive thought has triggered your um, fight, flight, and freeze um and so it sends all those signals for you to stop retreat mm. either run from it or fight it or freeze um so that's that's does that explain it yeah like it's and it's, it's mad when we get them intrusive thoughts because sometimes we can think the worst case scenario we can jump especially if you have an over hyper mind or you're an overthinker and you, you're just on edge you, you see a letter in the post and straight away you assume it's the it's an eviction notice your boss sends you an email he wants to talk or you're going to get fired or you know we're just constantly thinking the worst case scenario all the time and, and as you said that those be attached to those thoughts they can bring on emotions as if we're really living that ex- experience as if that thought is, is real 
you know, and you said the fight or flight mode, it does, it activates all the cortisol and your brain essentially is a primal tool, a problem finder and a problem solver. So it's showing all the potential hazards you may face today. So your brain's just doing what it's programmed to do. But exactly. then we start to attach to these thoughts and you talked about it there, the physical symptoms that the men, the mind can have on us. You know, you, you talked about, you know, the pins and needles, the nausea, the shortness of breath. You know, you, you, you were even talking about being too afraid to touch the door handle, you know, yeah. in the extreme cases. And these and these are the impacts that our mental, our mind can have on us physically when we're not kind of doing, I suppose, the suggested things to help us with our minds when it's gone to, when we're constantly analyzing like those thoughts and attaching to those thoughts when, when they come into our mind. What would you recommend for, to someone that's like, really getting like attached to their intrusive thoughts so firstly the, the best thing for me was um i had i went back into i don't like the name of it but i went back into psychotherapy and um, the therapist that i've worked with is is cognitive behavioral therapy um so that was kind of the what i did um at the start at well at the end of last year and the start of this year and it was cognitive behavioral therapy that i obviously went into 13 years ago um and the best thing is to go and talk to someone about it and say I'm having these thoughts um, and it's worrying me because I don't think you can really shock a therapist. Um, they have heard it all before. And when I spoke to the therapist about how scared I was about the thoughts I was having, within minutes she explained to me kind of the stats on how many um, young ladies like myself especially in the wellness industry especially mums that have these intrusive thoughts and it's all stress related it's all to do with triggers and traumas um, that you've had in your life and you can talk them through and she's made sense of all of it for me yeah. um, working with me now obviously therapy is um, I, I am fortunate that I am, I am able to afford my own therapy. I know that if you are relying on, say here in England, the NHS, the queues to get to the NHS and to see um, mental health, um, get the mental health support, you know, they, they talk about those waiting lists that are, that are months and months on end. But if you can afford it or find a way to afford it, talking to a professional is, is to me the best thing I could have done for myself. Um, but there's also, obviously I've got a whole toolbox of tools, um, that I use just to help me through every day. Um, and some of it's really simple stuff. Some of it's a lot harder, but there's things that you can do right in the moment. Um, so if you are, say you've had like an intrusive thought or you're worrying and, um, you suddenly start to feel feelings of you know your those anxiety symptoms again this is explained to me this year um when you start to have um anxiety symptoms such as pins and needles and brain fog the chances are or it's fact actually you will have changed your breathing which is why you might feel breathlessness or panicky that is why one of the first things you should do when you feel like that is actually change your breathing and do some sort of conscious breathing while which is why they say you know just take a deep breath Mm -hmm. um, and I breathing is the second tool in my toolbox and I literally will breathe in for a count of five but quite quickly so one two three four five and then I release my breath um, to a count of ten again quite quickly it's a great distract dis 
distraction technique to your thoughts because you're counting, but also you're changing your breath. When you change your breath, your brain goes, oh, the threat's gone. So it just calms you down. I love that. Um, but water is a great one for that because um, I, you will often see me with a bottle of water and it's kind of just part of me now. Um, and that I is because back 14 years ago um, when I sat in therapy, she said to me, you do know that when you sip water um, that you can't actually have a panic attack while sipping water because, again, the way the brain works, it can't take both those signals of panic oh. and drinking water. It's to do with survival again. Well, I mean, didn't know that. Drinking water. It might not just be drinking water. It might be drinking anything. <laughs> but it's... Okay. Uh, but well, we suggest not drinking vodka. Drinking <laughs> water instead. <laughs> Definitely drinking. You know, I've only ever... Drinking water, because obviously water also keeps you hydrated, so it's really good for brain fog, which a lot of people with mental health issues do struggle with brain fog. Um and that's because they've they're so tired from all the overthinking. But obviously, yeah, well that's that's uh, that's such a great deal to know. Though something that's so effective, thing, such an effective thing to know. To, to sip and water is great for panic attacks. Um, yeah. I, I never knew that. And it got to the point actually, though, if I went into meetings and I suddenly realised I didn't have my water, I'd have to excuse myself to go and get the water. So it became a crutch for me. Um, but it's a good crutch and um it has helped me in on a number yeah. of occasions and even on my wedding day when i'd actually stopped using it as a tool every day um one of the things the best men had to sort out was my bottle of water to make sure <laughs> that if i did feel anxious walking down the aisle or when i you know do my vows or whatever that i knew that water was there and as long as that water was there and i knew it was there i never really used it but um, that had become a bit of a crutch, but I don't think that's a bad thing because it helped mm, me in situations. Um, yeah. And then there's music. I mean, music is a great distraction tool, especially if you are, say you're really nervous or worrying because you are going to a job interview or about to go and have a difficult conversation with a loved one or, I don't know, going travelling. You know, some people don't like travelling on trains or flights. <clears throat> creating a playlist of music that does actually bring back happy memories for you or make you feel good or uplifts you I call it my positive playlist having that playlist and just playing it in moments of need is a great distraction distraction tool as well well yeah that, that's that's amazing yeah I love, I love um I love what you said about the water and and and, and so true about the music it just brings you back to the moment and yeah. And I remember when I did actually go to a therapist and opened up about what was the thoughts that went through my head and I was expecting them to tell me to get out of the room. But they just they just felt, okay, yeah, no, that's 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 actually quite normal. And the the yeah. comfort that I felt when she said that, like I I because I was like I thought there was something wrong with me that I need to be locked up, you know. And she yeah. said, Look, you are not your thoughts. You cannot control the thoughts that come in and out of your head, you know, that you're not your thoughts you know your feelings aren't facts and i got great comfort in that and i got great comfort in knowing that other people get the same experiences and have to have similar thoughts like that they're like whoa shit why, why did that come into my head what is wrong with me is there something wrong with me like yeah and uh, yeah completely relate to that as well and i think when you talk to a professional who has heard it all before and they take away the judgment like you say you feel like they're going to be judged you're so ashamed and very quickly they don't judge you and they then help you not judge yourself and 
it comes down so much to us judging our shirts like shame and judging ourselves and if we can let go of that shame and stop judging ourselves it like literally it's life-changing it mm. really is life-changing and the other like another tool is acceptance um and i think a massive thing for me and it made me realize i hadn't been using this tool at the end of last year was just accepting how i'm feeling right now um yeah. it's okay to be anxious it's okay to be angry it's okay to feel sad and um i did i used to call them negative emotions and now i call them uncomfortable emotions i love that yeah when we're, when we're feeling like that and, and just say, right, this is okay, that like, I'm feeling a bit anxious or yeah, I'm getting these thoughts, that it's perfectly okay to, to feel like this. And I think it's when we start, um, like, when we start kind of struggling with it and not accepting it, you know, as I heard someone say, when you don't accept the pain, that's when it turns into suffering, you know, when yeah. we start overanalyzing the pain, you know, and rather than, or even when something negative happens, rather than wallowing in the negativity, um, just acknowledge it and then right, see what are the opportunities that can come out of it. What's the next right thing you can do? It's like when you fight with somebody, with you, when you fight with another person or you argue with another person, it hurts and it feels painful. Um, and then you make amends with them and you or you let them go um, or you resolve it. And that's what we need to start doing with ourselves. Um, we fight with ourselves, but we don't resolve it with ourselves. Um, or we fight with ourselves and we don't let it go. Um, and I think that's if we can recognize actually, you can have a bad day with yourself, but then forgive yourself mm, for yeah. it, go and um, resolve it. Yeah, no, no I, t- I totally get it. And sometimes, you know, we can have all them, like, we can have all that stuff going through our heads. And when we just, like, I found a great tool for me as well this journaling that when I have a million things, going through my head at once it's it's hard to process one thing because you're already moving on to the next you're like oh how am we I need to get into work on time I need to get this on on, on my boss's desk on time and I need this I need that and you're, you're jumping to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and, and without actually addressing any of the issues flying through your head so I find when I like sit down and actually write stuff on paper that's coming up regularly in, into my mind um, and take me out of the present moment that I'll, I'll say right this thing we can solve here like if i need it whatever it is if it's to pay a bill or if it's an issue going on that i can address straight away I'll, I'll take action to address it that i can but if there's something in the past or something in the future that i can i can't as i heard a guy say you know tend to parts of the garden that you can touch you know um if i can't like, fix it now I'll just hand it over to the universe and say, right, there's nothing I can do about this thing. So I'm just going to detach with love for now. And when I can address it, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle it then. But I can only, I can only divide them things when I started to write them down on paper. Then I could put them in the categories, say, right, this is my action list. And this is that I'm going to take action on. And this is the universe's list that I'm going to just, this stuff's for the universe. It's not for me to worry about. No, exactly. I um, 100% agree with that. And you've just mentioned writing. Like, I couldn't recommend writing enough. Obviously, I wrote books. <laughs> but um, just at night time, if your mind's racing and you're thinking about what you've got to do tomorrow or you are having intrusive thoughts in whatever way, just like you say, write it down and just unscramble the spaghetti head. Writing really helps you do that. And actually, mm. if you are going through quite a tough time and you're trying to make a decision, 
I'll always say to the people I work with, um, when if they've got a big decision to make, just write it all down. Write different columns of you know the pros and the cons, or um, the things you can control, the things you can't control, and just by pouring it out and releasing it and putting it down on paper, can just really help you organise it in your mind, and it actually makes it not so bad. Yeah, it's so true. And it's like if you handed your like it's like if you handed the car into the garage, like you're not gonna be looking over the mechanic's shoulder making sure he's doing his job right. Or if you go to the dentist or you're not gonna be telling the dentist like what tooth to be pulling out, or you're not gonna go in to get surgery and telling the surgeon what bones and intestines he needs to be going at, you know. Like they're doing their job and, and that's what I think with the universe as well. Like there's a lot of stuff out there that we're powerless over and sometimes you just have to let go and let the universe do its job and, and stop worrying about it you know what i mean yeah, like, imagine that... you, like my, my thing is that my, i'm in business with the universe i have a business partners and he's like look call him all you need to do is you just worry about being happy that's that's your part of business is you worry about being happy and let me do the worrying and look after shit that's you can't like you can't yeah. touch that you can't like fix that uh, you're powerless over and you just look after being happy and that's like the business arrangement we have but there's times when you do actually start to worry about the past or worry about the future or trying to change people or trying to change things that you're powerless over rather than yeah. just handing that off to the universe yeah and have you read this series of books by Rhonda Byrne the secret the power and the magic yeah I've read the secret yeah it's a great book I'm still waiting on that Ferrari though <laughs> yeah and again though it's all about really what it's teaching you is to be in the present moment um, and like you say worry about what just deal not even worry just deal with what you can deal with right now because the past has actually gone it doesn't exist anymore and the future hasn't happened yet so just be in the present and it's really hard to do sometimes but when you start practicing it and you can do that through a number of ways um it really can help um, I always use the analogy, um, when you order your groceries online, so say you have here over in the UK, we've got Tesco's or what have you. When you order um, your groceries online, you put your order in and then you hit send and pay. And then three or four days later, your shopping rocks up. Did you worry about that shopping? Or did you just put your order in and then wait for it to rock up four days later? The chances are you put your order in and then you just let that happen. And in a little in a in a way, that's kind of what especially the secret tries to teach us is put your order in and just let the universe do what it needs yeah. to do to deliver I it. And it's, I heard another analogy actually from uh, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I think uh, all them, all the Disney films are full of wisdom. Oh, but, they uh, are. In yeah. Kung Fu Panda, the sensei, the old the tortoise in it, he was saying like, it's like when you plant the seed of an apple tree, you know, you, you don't like you don't plant the seed of an apple tree and hoping it's going to be a pear tree. You know, you just plant it. And you let it grow and you come every now and again and give it a bit of nourishment, give it a bit of water. But that that's going to grow. That's going to grow and be a powerful plant, regardless of how much you interfere with it. So, so just let it do let it do, do its thing and, and let it grow rather than coming and worrying about what sort of plant it's going to be. Yeah. And I mean, without going down the plant analogy too much, the <laughs> thing is around you saying around the Ferrari, you know, you've put you've put your uh you put your order in, you're still waiting. But the, the biggest trees grow um, 
over the longest time yeah. and the strongest trees grow over the longest time if you think about weeds they shoot up really quickly and then they're gone um, and yeah. someone comes along and can just pull them out um just like that but with you know our big oak trees which took a while to grow they're the ones that are deep rooted and strong yeah. and again you can use all these analogies and yeah. what I, like I, I just had a look out on the driveway there there's no ferrari yeah <laughs> it's still not there but uh, no and this is the last plant analogy i'll use i promise but like it's like a, a, anything positive we do today like going for a run or eating well or having positive thoughts or doing some meditation we're planting seeds for tomorrow you know we're pl always planting those that will benefit the 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 effects of taking them making them healthy decisions tomorrow or, or them healthy actions you know that will will feel the benefits of that long term yeah. and short term mm -hmm. yeah you know um you would there's so much uh, there's so many plant analogies that i can think <laughs> yeah. of you know when you're saying weeds as well uh, tony robbins has a great one like about facing problems he said it's not about like closing your eyes and saying there's no weeds in the garden you know there is weeds in the garden there is problems in life but it's yeah. about like make being effective and not running away from them and saying right what's the next right thing i can do how can i how can i approach these problems and solve them and can i solve them can i take action to solve them rather than just wallowing in my head and living in the problem it's like what's the solution yeah definitely Definitely. Yeah, it's so powerful. But you, you just back to your story as well, and you were saying as well how your your family kind of pointed you in the right direction towards getting help and and getting counselling and and the comfort as well that you went when you went to counselling uh, to see to do CBT, that the comfort you felt when the counsellor told you that you're not the only one going through that anxiety, the crippling anxiety, and there is great comfort when we realise that other people go through what we're going through, that other people are getting the same setbacks and the same struggles that we are, you know? And uh, as a few people know that, like I'm in a 12-step program, and I remember the first time going to one of these 12-step meetings, and there was guys talking about that feeling of fear that I felt my whole life, the feeling of just feeling inadequate, feeling low self-esteem, and just feeling like a black sheep. Yeah. And when I heard other people describing the inside of my head, like I never heard it described before, to just I got this intense feeling of connection and belonging and just an overwhelming sense of comfort and say, yeah, these are my people. This is where I belong, you know, and I just I finally felt, wow, this is this like when people start describing your problem, like you've never heard it described before, then they obviously know the solution. You know, and it's, it's it's great comfort in that. Like, you know, it's like you go to the doctor and uh, you you know you go to the doctor. It's like, oh well, there's something wrong, doc. And he's like, well, well, what is it? He goes, oh, I don't know. It's just I just don't feel right. I just feel off all the time. Goes, well, what's wrong? Is it a pain? Is it emotion? Well, I, I don't know, doc. He goes, well, I can't fucking I can't diagnose you unless you tell me what's wrong. And that's how we felt in my whole life. I just felt there was something not quite right. And it wasn't until I encountered the people on the same path as me that they started to describe the exact same way I was feeling. I was like, yes, eureka, that I finally found that where, where it's a, a potential solution. And it was great comfort in that. One of, quite a lot of the feedback I've actually had on the first book, um, My Wellness Toolbox, has been that I've had a few people say to me, it was as if I'd written the book myself you it was as if you were in my head it's you know they just resonate with it so much because 
it's it's normal <laughs> but we none of us talk about it yeah, and it's, it's, um, I've definitely found so many members of my tribe from this journey so many and I, I'm so lucky to have found so many people that get it they understand it and they don't judge me for it yeah I love that as I heard a, a guy say uh, you know he felt like a black sheep his whole life and then he found a herd of black sheep yeah exactly <laughs> Your tribe's out there somewhere. You just yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think diversity. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, but I love that, and 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 just as well, you said um, like when you when you went to see the the counselor and they they recommended medication to you. Like, what why why did you turn away the medication? What was your reason behind that? And so, I know talking about this, you're not a doctor. This is just your own personal experience as well. Just to clarify. No, so um, it was actually when I went to the doctors, we went to the GP um, and he sat and we talked about how I was feeling. He actually did say he could give me medication. Um, I think it was um, antidepressants and beta blockers to help me um, on the days I was really struggling. But he he kind of knew my background. So he knew that there was events that had happened in my life. And so it probably would be worth talking to a therapist. Um, so... How, so he offered it me, but I'll be honest with you, I was so terrified. This was like 13, 14 years ago. I was so terrified of taking medication. I wouldn't even take paracetamol at the time. That was where my paranoia was with regards to my anxiety, um, that I actually declined it. Um, and then since then, I've, I've never since taken um, antidepressants. I did consider them last year, but again, I thought no because I don't want them to mess with my brain it was just it was just where I was where my head was at I definitely think for some people it is a tool for them and it's the right mm. thing for them it just wasn't for me and I didn't take them I, and I do use kind of alternatives if you like um to or complementary therapy if you like other than um medication so I'm I like um I use essential oils quite a lot so if I've got a headache for example I use peppermint oil and um, if I'm struggling to sleep I use lavender Um, I, I, I use actually a blend called serenity it's gorgeous Um, if I need uplifting I use citrus oils and essential oils are one of my tools and have, have really helped me some people roll their eyes at essential oils they're a little bit too holistic maybe or a little bit too spiritual for them Um, but ultimately essential oils came um way 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 before um the pharmaceutical companies so and a lot of pharmaceutical companies have used the um the, com the component if you like is that the right word I'm again i'm not i'm not a scientist um of herbs and plants to produce the more chemical formulated tablets and medication that we have today and again i'm not I'm not saying that those things um, shouldn't exist, but for me, if I can use um, more natural remedies, then I will, mm. and they do work for me. I know they don't work for everybody. Yeah, and that's one thing that I found is the natural remedies that like going for a run or getting in the sea or listening to music or, you know, meditation or living in the present moment, you know, mindfulness walking and no, I remember talking to a doctor before, you know, and again, to clarify, we're like, we're not doctors, we're just sharing our own personal experience to so always yeah. go with your GP's advice. Definitely. But I remember him telling me that a lot of the time that there is cases where there is 
chemical imbalances you know what i mean where people do need medication you know but sometimes when our anxiety is environmental related like if you if you're going through a breakup say and you're riddled with anxiety or going through depression you know, sometimes it's understandable to be feeling like that you know if you're going through like a, a really stressful job you're going through a breakup or a death of someone you love it's understandably to be going through stages of um you know anxiety or potentially depression you know and it's i suppose there is treatment out there and as well as giving the time and getting counseling or getting what what's suggested you know rather than getting jumping straight in, going on medication because a lot of time it's just some things just take time to heal you know same as if you were if i was to break my leg with the right program and time that'll heal you know yeah um I it's about allowing your emotions as well. We, we we often want to distract ourselves from the things we need to deal with. And especially when we're grieving or going through a really hard time, like you say, such as a breakup, it's really easy to find an alternative to make ourselves feel better. You know, some people use alcohol, some people use drugs, some people use medication. Um, but, and often, you know, I know a lot of my friends who have lost loved ones have been offered medication to help them through the grieving process. And I understand that and I understand why people choose that. But there's also the bit where you're grieving, allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to feel sad, allow yourself to be anxious because that's normal. Um, and I think it's really we're very, very quick to say, oh, they're going through a really hard time. They've got mental health issues. No, they're going through a really hard time. And actually, that's normal. Mm -hmm. yeah 100% like and it is it's like some, it's about as you said they're accepting how we feel that's it's perfectly reasonable to be feeling how you're feeling like I remember talking to a friend and you know he, he was shocked he was anxious you know he was going through a breakup he was moving house you know his mom wasn't well and he was like he was he couldn't understand why he was anxious I was like man you have so much going on in your life of course you're going to be feeling some anxiety you know it's it's perfectly normal and anxiety, and anxiety is telling you that you're doing too much and that you need to slow down that's exactly what anxiety mm. anxiety i'll never say anxiety is my friend ever <laughs> but anxiety definitely um is a warning for you to take a step back and say okay am i overdoing it am i working too hard am i drinking too much am i not eating the right things am i not sleeping enough it's telling you, you know, you're doing too much at the moment. What can you do to look after yourself? And obviously I talk a lot in the work I do around self-care and people always think, oh, self-care, I haven't got time for that. But trust me, when you spend half an hour with me, you'll have a day packed full of self-care and <laughs> you won't have even had to change your day because you probably are doing a lot of things for yourself already. You yeah. just haven't acknowledged it as those things. Um, yeah. And you can do things every day for yourself to feel less anxious especially when you're going through a really difficult time mm, now that's it and like i suppose rather than like running away from the anxiety as you said looking for those distractions you know looking for the quick gratification you know the drink you know the fucking buying crap on amazon the food you know whatever we can find that just just distract us give us a quick dopamine hit so we don't have to listen to this fucking stress and anxiety going on inside our heads and i suppose that's how we can develop a unhealthy coping mechanism and as I heard someone describe before, it's like we have a bucket of water and going into that bucket is like the stress relationships, jobs, work, bills, etc. 
and to have the healthy de-stresses there to put holes in that bucket like exercise like mindfulness like the well-being tools you're describing you know to have these things to maintain that balance in the bucket yeah definitely i can't i can't stress enough the importance of actually when you are feeling those uncomfortable feelings or when you are stressed or anxious they're the times you really need to think about your self-care and what you're doing for yourself every day and i'm not talking going um for a game of football once a week or um going to the spa with the girls or what have you i'm talking about what you do every single day from the moment you wake up I'm I'm big on practicing gratitude, which is really difficult though when you're going through a hard time, but it really can help. To mm. making sure when you have a shower, you know, make sure you're using a shower gel that makes you feel good and lifts you. That that self-care, it's taking note of all those little things that you can do, you know, putting the essential oils on every single day. Yeah. Even yeah. if you have a good day, put them on, you know, put the positive playlist on first thing in the morning when you're getting ready make sure you get breakfast, make sure you have a lunch break. These are things that you sh- we do as our routine anyway. It's just um, applying them and being grateful for them and yeah. actually putting a bit more effort into them. I love that, all the self-love things. And like yeah. you were saying that you went to see a psychiatrist and you did, did, she obviously said something to you about creating the, the well-being tools or kind of sparked something in you. And you said, not like, not after you seen that counsellor, so you went from being unable to go outside, next thing you, you left the toxic job you were in, a relationship that wasn't going anywhere, and before you know it, you know, you're on your honeymoon, you're writing a book. Like, how, what was this, what was the big change there? You know, what... Like what was the like what was the what was the tool that made the decisive the factor for you? I think back then it was acceptance. I think um, when through therapy I had to accept a lot of things and let go a lot of the things, and once I accepted those things, accepted I can only control me, I can't control anyone else, um, and I can only look after myself. Everyone's got to look after themselves. Um, that was when I was able to move forward and I think as soon as I started looking after me and focusing on me and stop you know I actually talk about in the book um the relationship with my dad um I've got an amazing relationship with my dad now um and I'm really proud of it but when him and my mom actually separated when I was um they separated a number of times through my life but eventually if you like when I was 17 and he moved to Ireland Dublin um and we didn't talk for a while um nearly a year really or we didn't have a great relationship in that year and then when I sat down in therapy and spoke about um that relationship and how upset and hurt I was by certain things she really challenged me on my part in that and what I could and couldn't control and she kind of gave me a choice that day and said well if this relationship doesn't make you feel good why are you in it I was like, because it's my dad. And she said, that's not the reason. Why Why are you maintaining this relationship? Just because he's your dad doesn't mean you have to, you know, keep it. And I was, that completely threw me. <laughs> um, mm. And it made me then go away and look at my behaviours and the part I was playing in that relationship and made me go, do I still want this relationship if it isn't making me feel good? And then I thought, well, maybe I'm not making him feel good maybe I'm playing a part in this so I actually had to accept some of my own flaws 
Um, and actually, it was after that session I phoned him and said, Dad, I want a relationship with you and I want a good relationship with you. Can we work on it? And oh, that's made me feel a bit emotional. And um, we've worked on it ever since. And that was, you know, back in 2006. And now in 2020, we speak to each other often on the phone. I would see him more often if I was allowed to fly over to Dublin just to, you know, <laughs> get a chat. Um, but I know he's now one of my goes to. And I, I talk uh, quite openly about that. It's quite obvious who I'm talking about in the book. I do refer to my relationship with my dad. Um, and then since I've written the book, we've spoke even more and he's understood me even more. And so much so that one of the first people I went to this time round or last year um, was my dad. In fact, he was one. In fact, he was the first person I spoke to. That's beautiful. That's so powerful. Like, and like, what what recommendations would you give to people now that are kind of wanting to kind of reconnect relationships, be it with siblings or parents or kids? Like, what what should be their strategy for for kind of I suppose reestablishing a relationship with someone close? Again, it's boundaries, it's understanding your part to play and it's also accepting the other person for who they are. Um, for me, it was accepting my dad was an adult. He he was a human. Um, he was just like me. He had his own flaws. He's got his own strengths. Um, he was never a bad person. He just left a relationship and was far away from me. And I had, um, he didn't do anything personally to me if that makes sense it was it was not about me it was about him and what he needed um and now I'm a mom myself I understand it even more um and yeah I think I just accepted it for what it was I couldn't change it he was not going to move back home and live next door to me I wasn't going to see him every weekend um I was just going to see him when I saw him so I decided that I was going to focus on the quality of our relationship and not the quantity and as soon as I shifted my mindset from I don't see my dad on earth, he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to see me, to I want to spend quality time with my dad and the time I do have with him, I'm going to be grateful for it and I'm going to be really grateful because I know a lot of my friends don't have that opportunity um, because they've lost their loved ones. It just it shifted something in me it's and it made more effort in. Um, but fortunately for me, my dad did the same. So we both did that and I appreciate that some people put a lot of effort into relationships they don't get anything back in return mm. and for those where you're putting in a lot of energy and you're not getting anything in return I would say step back release that energy don't spend any more energy there and if it's meant to work out it will um, and if it doesn't then maybe it's time to release it and let it go because once you release the negative energy you will receive positive energy and that might be in the form of a better relationship a better friendship or better support for you that's that's powerful and it's 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 powerful when you change when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change like if you asked me a few years ago about my childhood you know i grew up in like a working class a working class family and um, you know with eight siblings you know medium-sized house but if you ask me now i tell you i'd have i actually had an unbelievable childhood growing up you know because you you look back at your past with some love and compassion and understanding like you know um i suppose knowing that your parents done the best that they could with what they what they knew and the tools that they had you know and to be able to kind of look at people with compassion and love it changes how you look at things yeah definitely um i think yeah it's just growth isn't it um mm. 
I think a big thing for me as well um, is I am a holistic therapist and I specialise in Reiki. Um, and Reiki has really taught me about positive and negative energies. And if something feels negative, it's you, you've got to kind of release it and let it go and um, have compassion at the same time um, mm. for it. So just because something's negative in your life doesn't mean you have to be angry or shout at it. You can just take a step back from it. But then if something's really positive in your life, be grateful for it and embrace it. And that energy could be a person. It could be an object. It could just be a feeling. Um, but, yeah, it sounds quite deep. But I think as you get older, you look back and you see the things that happened in your life maybe more traumatic or even less traumatic but you can recognize I don't know I'm going off on a tangent here that that was all part of your journey and that was what you have to I don't know where I'm going with this but yeah no it's what makes you and you can look back and go okay that makes sense I'm grateful for that now but now I've got to let it go because today I need to live in the present Okay, yeah. I've gone a late tangent there. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I find the wisest people that I know or the happiest people that I know are usually people who've touched that, like, stove a lot, like, in terms of being had painful experiences or negative experiences with life, you know, and they've they've come to realise just to, to fall in love with the simple things, you know what I mean, and to be grateful for the simple things out there, you know, rather than wallowing in the negativity. Like, some of the most generous people I've now like, come through the poorest backgrounds or some of the most kindest and gentlest people I know have came from very violent backgrounds, you know. They've come on to be, like, absolutely like, just the opposites of people, like, you know. And I, I even see a lot of guys that are guys and girls that, like, they come from, like, breakdowns or breakups and these lead on to breakthroughs and they go on to do incredible things. And the igniter was originally pain. You know, pain that set them off to go on, and we talked about it. Pain and anxiety. Anxiety is a is a is a warning light saying there's something not right, and sometimes it can be a spark. You know, it can be a, the lighter to the dynamite to to send us off on a, on a direction. Completely, and I think to what I do now, and I realise everything that's happened and everything I've experienced, and I've had. Don't get me wrong. Again, I look back. I have had a wonderful life. It's just been tainted at times with anxiety and um I know that it's it's why I'm doing what I'm doing now it's it's it was my path it's it's kind of was meant to happen and I can look back at that now and be grateful for it in a way exactly and if all them things hadn't happened like you imagine all them things are a brick in the house which is your life now you know you wouldn't be living in the in this in this incredible house that you're in now at the moment in terms of like it's an analogy in terms of your book your family your kids your husband your job your perspective your health your well-being you know with that all that stuff from the past was the foundation you know all them painful experiences the same way we're sitting down having this chat on well-being because we've come from places where we, we were riddled with anxiety, crippling anxiety, and we found a change, and we're here now to tell people that there is a, there is a, a way a way out of it. Yeah, you know, exactly. there is a solution to it. But we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the pain we went through in the first place. It's um, something else you just said before there as well. Reminded me of um, I work with a great coach called Holly Holly Matthews, and um, she always talks about: Are you ready to let go of your script? Are you ready to let go of your story? Because 
you when you keep repeating your story um in a negative way she means it in a negative way we don't let we're not letting go of it we're not letting go of the script so we'll let the same thing play out again and again and again so she talks about you know are you not bored of yourself yet and it's you just say when you were just talking about people who've gone through real pain and real adversity and they're like the strongest people you know it's because they've let go of the script and they're not prepared to to keep playing out again and again and again yeah it is and it is it's powerful like um when we i find that we, in a on a communication level and connect on a connection level when you're when you've been through a place of pain and you can share that experience with someone else that the connection that you get is like you gain an instant level of trust you know when i see someone else is suffering and going through anxiety and i jump down that hole with them and i say look man i know the way out of here i've been here myself there's great comfort and connection in that you know when you're actually talking to someone that's had the exact same or similar experience and the same similar vulnerabilities and the similar you know being through similar suffering and you can share that together there's great comfort in that and great connection in that oh completely definitely um connection is really important and i think especially during the global pandemic connecting with people virtually and um, there's been a massive rise in it obviously it's been the way to connect but i think it's kind of helped people um find their tribe um i know definitely through some of the things i've been doing around wellness and some of my colleagues if you like people in the industry their numbers have grown because people want that community they want to come and connect with people that feel the same as them right now mm. and it gives people comfort yeah there is great comfort in that, you know, to, to be able to, like, I heard a story once, you know, there's this guy trapped down a dark hole and he can't get out. And uh, a guy with a, a, a million, a businessman walks past and he asks the man for help. And the man writes him a check and throws it down, but he's still stuck down this hole. And then uh, a, a priest walks by and he asks this priest for help. And the priest says, uh, says a prayer for him and he walks away and he's still stuck down this hole. And, uh, then uh, a doctor walks past and he asks him for help and the doctor writes him a prescription and throws him down and he's still stuck down this hole. And then another guy walks past and jumps down the hole and he says, what are you doing here, man? He says, look, man, I've, I've had anxiety and depression before. I, I've been here and I know how to get out of here. Follow me, you know? And I, and I think that's when the connection, when you've been through a place of anxiety, that you can connect someone on, on, on a personal level because you've been there yeah definitely you know? definitely um, no I, I was just i was just going to say as well just when you were talking and um, you you said that you know when someone very close to you passed away that you went down that road of panic attacks again and you know like what, what do you feel it was that what you let things get out of hand again look at this stage you would have known about your well-being tools and yeah. you felt the anxiety and the panic attacks and the intrusive thoughts came back again yeah what do you think like was different um it was it was strange because life was like really good but I, I had got really busy I was still running the IT consultancy business I was starting to do wellness events um because people were inviting me to share my story I was working most evenings doing Reiki therapy and coach wellness coaching and trying to grow that business so I was doing a lot of things um I was really busy in my mind I realize now um 
I was keeping my mind busy, but I didn't realise that's what I was doing. Um, they, you know, we talk about alcoholism and drug addiction, but work, workaholics, it's it's the same thing. You are. I was talking about this actually today on today's radio show. A workaholic, it's the same. It's the same thing. You're using something to distract you from what you're going through, what you're dealing with. But we, we had a good year last year, and everything was going well. And um, but I was busy, and then um, my best friend's father passed away, and he, when I was younger and a teenager, and when my parents were going through their troubles, um, he was um, to me um, kind of part of my support network. In fact, he was there the night that my mum and dad split up as support for me. Um, and I don't think I ever really appreciated the importance, he, that role that he played um, as my best friend's dad. And um, he sadly passed away. And watching my best friend deal with that was horrendous. And that made me quite panicky in, my, in itself. I found it, um, I'm an empath and... It was very emotional. Um, I was re really sad by it all. But then a lot of stuff came up then from my past and it brought up a lot of stuff. And I found myself getting angry about things from the past. And then I was kind of beating myself up because I was like, no, that's the past. You've dealt with that. Why are you bringing that back up again? And it then became something else. Um, and I threw myself into a bit more work. And then before you know it, I'm not self-caring. I've gone through the whole life's too short. So I was probably drinking too much wine. Um and I wasn't giving myself a break um, and I also felt bad because I was grieving for somebody who I didn't know whether I should be grieving for I don't know if that makes sense and um, mm -hmm. because my friend's grief was far more important than mine um I can't explain it this has obviously all come out in therapy <laughs> um and yeah so I just spiraled really quickly and ironically it was actually when I was over in Dublin um with my dad who hadn't been that present when my my best friend's dad had um I think that a lot of stuff went through my head and I started to really really struggle and it was when I was in Dublin that I started I had quite a few panic attacks and anxiety attacks but luckily I did speak to my dad and I know how lucky I am that I was able to do that um but yeah so that kind of explains some of the triggers um and ironically I wasn't using my toolbox you know, um, I wasn't giving myself a break. I wasn't self-caring. I wasn't allowing myself to grieve. Um, I wasn't, I was making myself too busy. And so I nearly hit burnout again. Well, that's powerful, yeah. You just felt like there was just an overwhelming amount of emotions that came at once. And like, it's, if we take our foot off the ball, if we're not regularly kind of doing the suggested things that the well-being or the de-stressors that this stuff can come back but it's it's like anything we don't maintain will eventually get out of hand our hygiene our front garden you know our cleansiness of our house you know whatever it is that we don't maintain on a regular basis that it will eventually get out of hand and it's the same with our mental health yeah definitely definitely it's it's you know if you have a sore knee would you go and run on it? Mm. No. So when you're not feeling great, why do you put yourself under pressure? Yeah, but like for me, I know I know one thing that I had to stop doing was when I got tired, I got 
I couldn't relax, you know, and you said there about distractions, you know, my, the way my head is that I, just being an alcoholic, you know, if my head was Alcatraz, I'd find a way to escape, you know, just to get out of my head, you know, yeah. and it, a lot of the time when I'm feeling tired, I, I get more anxious, and the more anxious I am, the more I wanted to, to get out of my head, so I do that by physically moving and distracting myself but i need to do i fit a week's living into an hour so ironically the more exhausted i am the more i do which can lead to me uh, just overloading and doing too much and it was something that i spot where i said right i need to rest i need to do less and sometimes it's about listening to them little them little blinking lights and them little red flags that you, you feel internally that we try and cover up rather than just listening as you said anxiety anxiety is a is sometimes is a symptom of we're exhausted we need to do less yeah completely it's telling us to do less just do less yeah it's that simple like um and just as well you were just saying after you had your um your second order you thought you were going through or your first order sorry you thought you were having a going through postnatal depression but it was just a, a b12 deficiency how, how did you find this out how did you come about this so um when thomas was um he was that four or five months old i oh sorry you're a little boy it's a little girl yeah it was it was yeah it was and um, when he was born it was my first child um i just suddenly started getting really anxious and i didn't i started doubting whether i was a good mum. i didn't want to spend time with him um and it was because i was getting paranoid and panicky and I, it kind of just kind of came from nowhere and i was like i'm just so tired um and I, I was scared and I said to my mum, I said, I, th- I think I might have postnatal depression because I don't want to spend any time with him because I think I'm not a good mum. And she said, yeah, go and see the doctor. So I spoke to the doctor and we talked through it and he said, Ali, you're a new mum. You're not having enough sleep. Um, you're sleep deprived. I don't think you've got postnatal depression, but what I'm going to do is send you for some blood tests. Um, so he sent me for some uh, tests and within 24 hours it was confirmed I was B12 deficient well within two weeks of taking some medication for the B12 deficiency I felt so much better the paranoia had gone the negative thinking had gone and I was able to sleep better because the one thing about B12 is it can really affect your sleep as well um, and it really gives you brain fog and worry and paranoia and what have you um, and then so with something I failed to mention last year is when I started going downhill again and when I was in Dublin and I started having panic attacks and then I spoke to my dad and he said you know maybe go to see the doctor again so when I went to see the doctor um I said look I'm not feeling great um I felt like this before I don't think it, it doesn't it feels more when I had my little boy than when um 13 14 years ago can you give me b12 tests and sure enough it came back that i had a b12 deficiency again um but this time it didn't medication wasn't um as effective as in i've actually it's been confirmed now i've got porous anemia which means my blood um my body can't actually store b12 naturally so now i'm on injections for the rest of my life um so that was in mixed in all of the grieving and the other challenges and burnout last year as well um, which played a big part in it, actually, and um, quite significant. I failed to mention that. Um, so that the thing with B12 deficiency is the symptoms are the same as depression, and in fact, um, people can be misdiagnosed with dementia with a B12 deficiency. Okay. Um, so one thing I would love to do, actually, and I'm, I keep saying I need to do this, is I really want to. 
I want it to be standard that anyone with depression or anxiety um, gets a B12 test as standard. Right, well, and can it be as simple as like going into Boots and Holland and Barra and just taking B12 vitamins? For me, no. The first time round, um, I was given some really strong B12 medication and it worked within weeks. This time round, last year, at the end of last year, um, I wasn't able to. So the doctor, um, I went for the blood test and then I phoned the doctor to get the results. And they said, yeah, you've got B12 deficiency. You need to see the doctor. But I was going on holiday for four weeks. Um, we were going away for the summer and I couldn't see, see the doctor. So I went to the health food shop and said, oh, I've got a B12 deficiency. Mm. A few years ago when I had that, they gave me tablets. Can I just get them from you? She said, oh, I can give you these. These are the strongest you can get over the, the counter. Um, so I took them, popped one a day. Um, then five, six weeks later, no improvement. My mental health was actually declining more and more and more. So I actually booked an appointment with the doctor and said, look, you told me I've got B12. I've been taking these tablets. And he said, to put this in perspective, um, you've been taking one of those tablets a day. He said, when you were um, you had B12 deficiency previously, you were taking four tablets a day. I think he said it was, I can't, you know, I think though he said that each tablet was eight or 16 times stronger. I can't, it was eight or 16. I always get that number mixed up. But basically he said, your that dose hasn't even, like it's been pointless. Um, he said, and actually I, you haven't, you've got precious anemia. So tablets won't work now either. You do need injections um so yeah okay well that's powerful so and uh, sometimes it is it's a simple solution you know the simple problem and, and a simple solution and uh, we can sometimes misdiagnose or overdiagnose ourselves and so it is good to always get get checked i suppose yeah definitely definitely you never know there might be something underlying um for me it was a mixture of things mm, that's powerful um okay ali it's been absolutely incredible talking to you i've gotten so much out of this like particularly with the water the gratitude and uh, the acceptance you know the, particularly the water thing i'm gonna turn into the water boy now <laughs> exactly um no, that was amazing 40 tools to choose from <laughs> yeah what so and is there anything you want to you want to add or finish on no honestly though anyone that's listening the best tool that you can pull out right now for yourself is talking. Beautiful, yeah. It is it truly is. Just being able to open up and talk to someone else. And I heard someone say expression is the best cure for depression. You know, just to be able to talk to someone and open up and just the relief that you feel when you can, you know, you don't even need to find an answer. Just to be able to talk and chat. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's just something powerful in that. Definitely, definitely. Okay, Ali, thanks a million for coming on. And just for anyone listening and you want to check out Ali's book, it's a My Wellness Toolbox. Um, yes. And also Ali's on Instagram and My Wellness Toolbox on Instagram and also on Facebook and on Twitter and on Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all the social media platforms you can find Ali. If you have any questions, you can give Ali a buzz on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or give me myself a buzz and I can pass it on to Ali. Thank you so much. Okay, Ali, thanks a million for coming on and having the chat. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You take care.